Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man gain in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels, and in the glory of his Father, then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may all be seated. Good morning and Happy New Year. Holy cow. Let's try that again. That's the light crowd. Good morning and Happy New Year. Um, thank you. As you walked in, you would uh, have seen uh, the, the Lord's Supper in the back. If you did not get one, raise your hand and Jack or Jerry will pass those out. I, I don't want that to be a distraction at the end of the service. So if you have not Receive the Lord's Supper, uh, raise your hand, and uh, they will get those to you. Uh, just as a way of a few announcements uh, this morning, um, uh, there, there's just two announcements. I, I would encourage you uh, this year, 2022, to mark your calendars for Wednesday night. That's our prayer service. Um, that is the time that we gather together as a body to pray over the needs uh, of the body and what God would have for us. So please uh, continue to join us Wednesday evenings at 6 o'clock uh, for dinner and then for uh, prayer together. So that's Wednesday evening. This Wednesday is um, our business meeting, so please prepare for that as well. Wednesday evening at 6 o'clock for dinner, and then we'll come uh, here to the sanctuary for our business meeting and prayer service. As you know, we've been praying and we'll continue to pray for a youth pastor. We do have a search committee that's been in place. They will begin to meet, pray, discuss, and look for the person that God has for us as a church to minister to our youth. Um, so let me pray for us this morning. Then we're going to jump into God's word this morning as we look at what he would have for us going into this new year. This is what this message is about. What would it look like for us as a church to really take up our cross and follow Christ in the year of 2022? And so that's the aim of this morning's passage. It's the, this, this whole uh, service would point us to what God would have us for this coming year. So let me pray for us, and we'll look at God's word together. God, I'm grateful to gather into your house this morning with your people. I pray that we would never take this privilege, this gift for granted. That you allow us in this country to gather freely and to uh, this church to, to fellowship, to pray, to worship, and to commune with you and one, one another. There are millions and millions of believers around the world this morning that aren't able to gather with this freedom. They must gather in hiding. They must gather in secret. And so we pray for them. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are gathering in secret this morning. We pray that the gospel message in their gathering would uh, ignite something in them to continue to reach lost people in their communities. God, we would see revival break out over our entire world. 
We pray that for our community here, here in Murfreesboro, here in Walter Hill, that you, God, would uh, bring revival to us. I pray, God, for a special blessing on this church as we come into this new year. That you would do something that, as your word says, that could not even be explained. Even if we were able to hear it, to see it, we wouldn't be able to perceive it because of your goodness and kindness to us. I, I pray that this year would be that year for Powell's Chapel. That you would use us in such a mighty way in this community that we'd seek and save that which is lost through your son Jesus. And we'd be a testimony and a witness to him and for him in this community and around the world. And we're grateful. And privilege that we can read, study, learn, and know your word, and then know you, and then make you known. And we pray that would even happen this morning in our hearts and lives. And God, as we've been coming each week to you in fervent prayer for a youth pastor, we come and we submit ourselves uh, in that direction again. We pray, God, that whoever you have for us, you are preparing that person for us and for us for them, and that you would use this man or woman in such a powerful way, God, that would reach the lives of the students in this church and in our community. This person would build up a, an army of young people to take this community by storm with the gospel in their middle schools and high school. We'd see revival break out in middle school and high school, the, the way that you've so often used teenagers throughout history to bring revival. Think in our own country, the Great Awakening, that you used teenagers to bring a great awakening. That group of teenagers began to pray and seek your face, and then with boldness began to proclaim you to their peers. An awakening of your good goodness and love and kindness spread in this country. We pray that again. Pray it would start here in our church. This group of young people that you have for us. I do pray for them, God. I pray for them in their schools. Uh, I pray for protection, uh, not this of their bodies, but of their minds. The minds that this um, culture wants to permeate with evil and wickedness and subtle ways, God, that will lead them astray. God, we need uh, to be reminded of your truth and stand on your truth. We pray for us as adults that we would do that and we'd be a witness to the young people. And young people will be a witness back to us, a reminder of what it means to love you and make you known. So now, God, we come to this portion of the service. We humble ourselves under your word, and inspired through the Holy Spirit by the writing of men that's infallible and inerrant. We pray that your word would not come back void, that your word would be planted in us as a seed, then would grow transform us to become more and more like your son Jesus. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus and God's church said, amen. We are here in Matthew chapter 16. It's a very familiar passage to all of us. This is where Jesus is talking to his disciples and you, you know the, the, the first verse. He says to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I want to give some background to this text as we begin here. This would not have been the first time that his disciples would have heard those two words, follow me. 
This is in the middle of his ministry to his disciples. It's kind of the turning point in the book of Matthew where Jesus is going to begin to turn his attention in direction to Jerusalem where he would be crucified, where he would die for the sins of the world, and that he'd be buried in a borrowed tomb, and yet in three days he'd raise, be raised from the dead. This is the, the, the context of this passage. So they would have heard those words, follow me before. Many of us have heard those words as well. What will we do to follow Christ? Remember what Jesus says in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus had been on the earth 30 years at that point, before he had ever called his first disciples. He was doing the work of the Lord. We, we know that even as a young boy at eight years old, he was in the temple with the scribes and the Pharisees, teaching the scribes and Pharisees at eight years old. We know as a teenager, he would have done that again. And then for 30 years, he would have walked the planet like any other man. And yet at the age of 30, he began to call his disciples. Those 12 ragtag, really kids, teenagers, I think we have in our mind that they were grown men. Most scholars believe they were anywhere between 15 and 20 years old. They were young men. And remember what he says to those disciples in Mark chapter 1, 17. As he calls his disciples, what does he say to them? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So they begin to follow Jesus. And they're watching Jesus perform all these miracles. Watching Jesus raise people from the dead. Watching Jesus restore withered hand. Watching Jesus heal blind people. Watching Jesus heal mute people. And then there's this turning point here. After he feeds 4,000. That there's this conversation that he has with his disciples. Remember what the conversation was in chapter 16. They'd been following him for probably almost three years. And he turns to his disciples after feeding the 5,000, and he says to his disciples, hey, who do people say that I am? And the disciples have this interchange with Jesus, and they say, some say, this is in verse 13 and 14 of chapter 16, some say that you're John the Baptist. Other people say that you're Elijah. Some people say that you're the great prophet Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. That's who people say that you are. But then in 15, Jesus turns to his disciples and says to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? That's the key question for us as his disciples this morning. Who do you who do we as this church say that Jesus is? Peter, being the bold young man that Peter was, turns to Jesus in verse 16 and replies, You are Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the true answer. Is that our answer this morning about who Jesus is? Would you say if Jesus came and said, to you this morning, said to me, said to us, this church, if he stood in this pulpit and said to us, who do you say that I am? Would our answer be to him? You are Christ, the son of the living God. And then his reply would be the same reply that he gave to Peter that day. Blessed are you, Simon, or Jonah, 
For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven revealed this to you. Then he says to Peter, on this rock or this saying, I will build his church. On what will God build his church? On the foundation of who we say Christ is. My hope and my prayer for us here in 2022 is that we would say that Christ is the Son of God and that God would build this church on that foundation. From the very first day that I ever became the pastor, I said, this is what God has called me to do, to call us to do, is to know him as Christ, the Son of God, and to know God the Father. That is what we are here to do, is to know God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if God would stand before us and say, who do you say I am? We would say you are Christ, the Son of the living God. But then the flip side to that would be this, that God would then use us in that testimony to build his church. And I don't mean this building. This building could fall to the ground this afternoon. What I mean by this church is the people that make up this body. We are the church. And that this church would be built on that foundation. And being built on that foundation, we take that message to a lost and dying world. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and God would build this church on that foundation. But look what happens just a few short verses after that. After Peter makes that bold confession and Jesus makes that declaration that that's what he's going to build his church upon. Then Jesus begins to move into something and he says to his disciples that day, says, from this time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day raised from the dead. So Peter makes this declaration that you're Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, we're going to build my church on that. And Jesus says, let me tell you what it means that I'm Christ, the son of the living God. Then from that moment on, he begins to say to them all that's going to happen to him. He's going to have to suffer, that he's going to have to die, and that he's going to be beat up and betrayed and, and just really distorted and all that would be true about him. And then look what Peter says at that point. Peter flips the script and Peter rebukes Jesus and says to Jesus, far be it from you, Lord. That can never happen to you. And Jesus turns to Peter and rebukes Peter and says, get thee be, be behind me, Satan. I wonder for us, church, how we're so much like Peter in those first few verses that we would say, yes, you are Christ, the son of the living God. But then when Christ begins to show us how that's going to play out, we would say, no way can that ever happen. Jesus would rebuke him the same way he'd rebuke us. And then look at the text and the context of what Jesus now says to his disciples about what it means to follow him. Do you, do I, do we, the church, really want to follow Jesus? Because now Jesus is going to move into the passage. He's just said, hey, I want to build my church on who I am, and who I am must suffer and die and be raised from the dead. And then he says to his disciples, the same way he's saying to us this morning, now you must Follow me in the same way. 
That's where most people begin to check out. Most people are like, man, I'm not doing that one. And so Jesus says, do you really want to follow me? Not just walk an aisle, pray a prayer, but do you really want to be my true disciple? Do you want to follow me? Do you want to watch me? Do you want to come after me? And Jesus says, hey, there's three things that there's a requirement for if you're really going to be his disciple. And Jesus doesn't mince words. He, He doesn't make it a flowery picture. He doesn't make it this pie in the sky. He doesn't make it this prosperity gospel as a guy in Texas with a mullet would have to say. He's going to say to us, it's going to cost you a lot. And I'd say to us, church, here in 2022, if we want to follow Jesus, it's going to cost us a whole lot this year. But are willing to count the cost this year to follow him and to proclaim Jesus as Peter did that he is Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, I've got three requirements. Just three requirements to really be his disciple. I'd say it this way, three simple requirements, but not easy requirements. Simple, because he lays it black and white. We, We don't have to try to figure out what Jesus is saying. He pretty much says, if you want to follow me, then do this. He says, Jesus said and told his disciples, if anyone would come after me or if anyone would follow me, you have to do these three requirements. You must deny yourself, you must take up your cross, and you must follow me. So the first one is this, the first requirement to come after Jesus or to follow Jesus is a place of sacrifice. He says you must deny what? Himself. The first requirement is a a requirement of sacrificial living. Will we be self-denying? The word deny in that passage means this. It means to completely disown, to utterly separate oneself from himself. What Jesus is saying here, all of your wants, desires, longings, needs, all that you want, you have to be willing to let go of. Are we going to live, church, this year with denying ourselves? Will we as a church live with self-denial? You see, when we come into Wednesday night business meeting, Will our mindset be of that self-denial rather than self-preservation? And I say this boldly, and I say this at the same time with fear and trepidation. God has blessed this church in so many ways. But are we going to remain constant on the way he's blessed us and allow our security to be on the blessing rather than the blesser? We hold tight to all the blessings he's given to us. Or will we be in self-denial as a church and live open-handed with all that he has given to us? That is what Christ says, that we will separate ourselves from ourselves and live open-handed with all that he's given to us. 
Will we do that, church? Because that's the first requirement to be his disciple. Self-sacrifice. What are ways that you and I individually can live sacrificially? Will it be through our finances? Will it be through our time? Will it be through our resources? What is it that God would call you to? To live sacrificially in 2022. I'd ask you to write one or two things down this morning that you would say or go to your time in the Lord this week and say, God, where is it that you'd press in on me and bring conviction that I would live open-handed with the things that you've given to us? And then, church, I'd ask us this as a whole. Let us cry out to God. God, where is it as a church that we can live open-handedly with all that you've given to us? Again, I'm grateful for four and $450,000 in a bank account. I'm grateful for that. But allow that not to be our security. Because at any time, God could take every single penny of that tomorrow. We're not guaranteed that money. And if God would take that, then what will we do? Are we trusting more in what he's given to us? Are we trusting more in who's the one that gave it to us? May we live sacrificially. That's the first requirement. The second requirement I I wish I could pass over. He says you must first live denying yourself. Then he says you must what? Take up your cross. The second is this, that we must suffer. Are we willing to suffer? For the sake of Christ. Again, we look at the church around the world. The place the church is growing the most and the fastest. Do you want to know where? It's under persecution. China, India, Indonesia. That's where God is growing his church the fastest. It's under persecution. Why? Why would God use persecution to grow the church? We sang it this morning. Persecution always points us to how needy we are. My greatest fear is that we as a church wouldn't live under persecution. And because we don't live under persecution, we don't really live in our neediness. And if we don't live in our neediness, we don't, there's no need for us to go to God. We can become self-serving. But God promises us in his word that if we come to him, you will and I will and the church will suffer. We will suffer if we follow Christ. That is a promise. Jesus promises that to us. Tribulation and trials will come. Jesus says it this way. There's another way to know if you're following Jesus. Are you facing persecution? If you're facing persecution, I would say that then you're acting in obedience to God. I don't wish persecution on anyone, myself included. I don't wish persecution on this church. But I I do know this, and I do know what God's word says to us. If we're going to follow him, we must take up our persecution. We must take up our cross. And follow him, follow him daily. Are we facing 
persecution daily. One writer says this about persecution. One writer says this about taking up one's cross. To take up one's cross is simply to be willing to pay any price for Christ's sake. It is the willingness to endure shame, embarrassment, reproach, rejection, persecution, and even martyrdom for his sake. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing for the sake of Christ to endure shame, embarrassment, rejection, persecution, and even death for the sake of Christ? That is what Christ is calling us, is to take up our cross and follow him daily. The next one and last one is this. He says, you are to deny yourself. You are to take up your cross. And the last one is to follow him. What does it mean to follow him? It means this, that we would live in obedience to him. It is what John says in 1 John chapter 5. In 1 John chapter 5, John says it this way. We know that we love God if we what? If we keep his commandments. And then he says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, his commandments are not burdensome. Do we believe that God's commandments are not burdensome and that we would follow him, that we would keep his commandments? My great fear, I say this often here, is we don't know his commandments. If you don't know his commandments, it's because you don't know his word. If you don't know his word, it means that you're not spending time in his word. If you're not spending time in his word, then you won't know him. You won't follow him. My plea for us, and I'm also grateful for uh, Miss Patty's Sunday School. They, they called me this week and said this. We have this desire to read through the Bible this year. Will, will you give us a Bible reading plan? I gave them several. If you want some, come find me. I'll, I'll give you a reading plan for us as a church to walk through every single word of God's word, that we would hold it, that we would know it, that we would live it and that we would obey it would we as a church follow him this year see the requirements are simple they're not easy would we live sacrificially denying ourselves would we live with suffer suffering and would we live in obedience to follow him because jesus then says he doesn't end the passage there he says here's the requirements of what it looks like to live a life that is truly my disciple. But then he gives us in the next few verses the rewards for those who would follow him. Four rewards we see in this passage. He says this. For whoever would lose his life. Whoever would, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Verse 28. Truly I say to you, there are some here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Here's the four rewards for us as we follow Christ today and for this year. The first is this. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever is willing to lose his life for Christ's sake will find it. The first reward is this. If you follow Christ and lose your life, he says this, 
you will find life. Jesus says it in John 10.10. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and life to the full. Jesus is talking about the perfect present tense. That is not something that's going to come to the believer. It's not something that we're waiting for. That's not something that we're hoping for. Jesus is making us this promise in this text that if you're willing to lose your life for the sake of Christ, that you will find your life this morning, that you will have life this morning, and you'll have life to the full. Would we receive that reward this morning? Would we receive a full life from Christ this morning? Are we willing to find our life because we're really willing to lose our lives this morning? That's the first one. The second one is found in verse 26. He asks it through a question. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Verse 26, for what will it profit a man to gain the whole world but profit his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? What Jesus is asking in that question and, and answering is this. If you would come to Christ and you and I would live a life of self-denying through suffering and obedience, then we will have what he says. Not only will we have life here, now, in the present, but then he talks about a future life, an eternal life. The next reward, if you come and follow him, you have eternal security. You have life with Christ forever and ever and ever and ever. That is the reward of what it means to follow Christ. The third thing is this, verse 27. He says that there is a reward that will come to you. What does he mean by that? What he means by that is that we are storing up treasures in heaven, that one day we will take all these rewards and place them at the foot of the cross. And then Christ would say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. What a reward that will be to hear God say to us, well done, my good and and faithful servant. That is a reward I cannot wait to hear from the mouth of God himself. The last reward, the last promise, if you will, comes in verses 27 and 28. We are promised this as a reward, that Christ will return and that we will see him. Praise God for that. And in doing so, when he returns, he says to us and makes the promise, that all suffering ends when he returns. He wipes every tear away. He binds the brokenhearted. And he is with us forever and ever and ever. And in return, we are with him forever and ever and ever. And so I'd ask you this morning, church, these same things. Would you and I follow him? Would we as a church this year follow him with sacrificial, self suffering, and a sense of surrender or obedience to God? Would we deny ourselves? Would we suffer for him? Would we be obedient to him? In doing so, we would be reminded of the rewards that come to us. We will have life. We will have eternal life. We will give an award to God, and God will give an award back to us, and we will see him coming again. Remember, he starts his ministry off with these two words, follow in the middle of his ministry, he says to them here in verse 24, follow me. Do you know what Jesus says at the very end of his life? 
He says the same two words. Follow me. So my question to us as a church this year in 2022, will we follow him? As a way as Jared comes and we will prepare the Lord's table, I want to read to us what Jesus says through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. I love that on this table, though we don't have the table prepared, the table is here for us this morning, but on our table it says, do in remembrance of me, that we would follow him in this. So this morning we're going to follow Christ as he took the Lord's Supper himself. Let's read what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. I want to read these verses over us first. And then I'll go to 23. But as we come to the Lord's Supper this morning, as we come to follow Christ this morning, as we come in remembrance of Him this morning, Paul says to us this, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body. As we come to the Lord's Supper this morning, let us do what Paul says in verse 28. Let a person examine himself. Then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. This is why so many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. So what Paul is saying, before we come to the Lord's Supper and partake of the Lord's Supper, we must examine ourselves. What Paul is saying, is there anything in you that's unworthy to receive from the Lord this morning as you take the Lord's Supper? In just the stillness of this moment, I would ask that you would examine yourself. If there's anything in your heart or your life that you need to repent of this morning, I pray that you would repent of that before we take the Lord's Supper. Let's take a few moments to examine ourselves.